And ultimately, your role should really be to completely replace everything you do. So you're no longer working in the business at all. And you're strictly working on the business, doing strategic stuff, doing the stuff you love the most, doing the stuff that's going to add the most value to your company, building those processes, you know, and hiring a great team that will help you execute and, you know, elevate your company to the next level. Welcome to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast, where we explore the strategies and experiences that are driving mid-sized manufacturers forward. Here, you'll discover new insights from passionate manufacturing leaders who have compelling stories to share about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from B2B sales and marketing experts about how to apply actionable business development strategies inside your business. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. I'm Joe Sullivan, your host and a co-founder of the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla76. Okay, manufacturing leaders, I want you to raise your hand if you're the type that has struggled somewhere along the way with relinquishing control, handing off the job to your team and trusting it's going to get done and done well. And yes, even without your hands in it. I'm talking about empowering your team to work in the business so you can spend your time working on the business. Now, I could be wrong, but I'm guessing most hands are up right now, and it's understandable. Our companies were born out of our vision and raised under our guidance, but they can't grow up and thrive if we don't give them a chance to do so without our constant supervision. I've got a fantastic conversation ahead for you today with an entrepreneur in the manufacturing ERP space that has been in this position before and now helps others to get out of it. So let's do this. Paul Van Meter has spent his life pursuing and following his passions in the precision machining industry. After 17 years as co-founder and president of a machine shop, ProCNC, Paul co-founded ProShop ERP, a software company that develops industry 4.0 leading web-based and paperless ERP software for small and medium manufacturing companies in the metalworking industry. Paul has a passion for SME, for the SME community, connecting with and helping companies grow, prosper, and provide opportunities and employment in their communities. As a shop owner for 17 years and now a software provider to SMEs, Paul has deep roots in the machining community and a unique perspective based on his experience in the manufacturing supply chain. Paul, welcome to the show. Joe, thank you for having me. It's, I'm excited. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I'm feeling the same way. I think I discovered you on LinkedIn, because which is how I discover a lot of people these days, frankly, kind of just embedding myself in the manufacturing space. And naturally, you know, you, you stumble across people who are there and active and have a perspective on things. And I really liked, you know, some of the insights I saw you posting and thought, all right, we got to get Paul here on the show to talk about his experience and, and have since sort of, you know, learned about some of your passion. So I'm, I'm excited to get into this conversation with you. Yeah, thank you. Me too. All right. So Paul, you have got a classic entrepreneurial story. And I'd love for you to kick things off here by just telling our listeners how ProShop ERP came to be. Yeah, absolutely. So it, I'll go back a little ways. You mentioned, I think, in the intro about I used to own a machine shop. So I started a machine shop straight out of college with some buddies that I went to college with. I did not ever plan to be an entrepreneur. I thought I would work at a big car company actually and design and build cars. <laughs> when I was a kid, I 
you know, studied engineering and, and thought that was my path, but fell in love with machining and manufacturing as we built a lot of our projects in, in school. We actually designed and built race cars for the Formula SAE competition, which is an entree for a lot of people into manufacturing. And we just loved it so much, we decided that we wanted to start a company together. So one of my partners owned a house with enough equity to, to take out a second mortgage. And that money was enough to rent a space, buy a Haas VF4, an old manual mill and lathe, and start looking for business. So that's what we did at the like ripe old age of 23 or so, right out of college. And, and so that company you know, grew over the years, eventually up to about 75 people and 30 plus machines. And during the time that we grew that company, we couldn't find any software that we thought was worth buying to run our company with. Believe me, we looked. And so we eventually just started building something out of need for ourselves. And that eventually turned into ProShop. And we didn't plan on selling it to anyone else, but our biggest customer and then ultimately other companies started approaching us and asking us if we would sell our software to them not just our machined parts. And so in 2016, we sold the machine shop and then launched ProShop in 2016. And so here we are now. That's awesome. Good for you guys. It's, it's been fun. It's been a fun ride for sure. Yeah, I bet. Well, it's got to be, it's got to just be a really good feeling to, I mean, you had a problem in your business, something that you, you realized a gap, right? And in, in this need that, that you had and you, you, figured out the solution, you made it for yourself. And then all of a sudden realize, okay, well, I guess everybody else needs this too. I mean, it's, it's, I feel like it's how a lot of the best products and services are, are born, right? Sure. Yeah. Often out of need for something on an internal team. And then they realize there's commercial value there. So yeah, that was us. But we, again, never planned it that way. If you'd asked me, you know, when we were running our shop, if you'd run one day be a software company, I would have said this, that's just crazy talk. Yeah. It's, it's interesting how things play out. Very cool. Well, pr- probably along the way here, Paul, is, is where you developed this passion, but you were talking to me recently about the idea of creating scalable business processes and why that's so important. So I'd love to hear from your perspective to hear you talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So a lot of shops are started by people that are technicians, right? They're experts in something. Maybe they're, you know, they're a journeyman level machinist. Maybe they're a programmer or both but they're good at what their technical job is. And then they just open up a company and they start getting business in and they just kind of roll right into, all right, this guy's sending us a job. Let's get it on the shop and make it. And they grow to a point where their lack of business processes become a major hindrance to growth, right? I think a lot of companies just don't think nearly enough about business process they're just kind of winging it the whole time, you know, and that can work when you're small and it's probably highly efficient when you're small. But as you start to grow, you know, things slip through the cracks, you forget to order this thing, or you thought this person, this other person in your company was supposed to do that, but they don't really realize that's their job. And so they don't do that. And things start to fall apart and just become frustrating and difficult. And a lot of shops spend a lot of time fighting fires, right? I was even talking to a customer of ours recently and he said, his shop used to be like a pirate ship. It was just, you know, people run around doing stuff. But the more you think about developing repeatable and scalable business processes and focusing on those and that the result of those is a profitable business, that is a real key to scaling and growing a business. Yeah, for sure. I agree with everything you said there. You know, something that my business partner, John, and I have faced many times over our 15 years of 
growing this business, which has grown from two to 20 people at this point. So we're, we're still a small company, but you know, when you're two people, you're literally doing everything. When you're 20 people, you're, you're able to start to finally you know, specialize and remove things from your plate. But it's really tough to let go of the reins when this thing's your baby. And when you know that you can do it right because you've done it right, and now all of a sudden you've got to sort of relinquish, relinquish control and trust other people to get things done. I mean, I still face it. You know, 15 years in, it's still a, it's, it's still a challenging thing to do. So, you know, I guess my question for you as a follow-up here is how can leaders of manufacturing organizations put themselves in a position to work more on the business and let go of, you know, the working in the business, right? I appreciate it. It's a great question. And it actually, it's perfect because I read a book, my partners and I read this book pretty early on in our machine shop called The E-Myth. I don't know if you've read that one by Michael Gerber, but it is a really easy read, sort of told like a story. And the, the concept is that kind of like I alluded to in the last question, companies are often started by people that are experts in their craft, but they're not necessarily great at building companies. And so they just get deeply embedded. They're always working, you know, in the company, right? They're, they're machining parts, they're programming, they're taking orders, they're doing things, and they don't spend as much time working on the company. And so the way that the sort of the process of taking, uh, thinking more about business process, to tie it back to the last question as well, is that if you kind of analyze what you do on a daily basis, you can probably break it out into multiple different buckets of sort of job duties, right? When you're a small business, you're, you're the salesperson, you're the janitor, you're the order entry person, you're customer service, you're the machinist, right? But as you, as you grow and you can no longer do all those things, if you look and say, all right, well, when I'm doing sales, these are the things that I do to do sales, right? When I'm, when I'm being a programmer, I'm doing these things. When I am doing you know, accounts receivable and payable, when I'm being the bookkeeper, I'm doing these other things. And if you document what you're actually doing in each of those roles, you know, think about it like switching hats, right? You have your salesperson hat, you got your machinist hat. As you task switch during the day, think about exactly what you're doing, write it down and define that as a process. And the more you define that and make it clear so someone else can read that, look at it, maybe you make little videos about it, that allows you to then start hiring people into those roles and replacing yourself as the salesperson, replacing yourself as the estimator, as the janitor, as the accountant. And ultimately, your role should really be to completely replace everything you do so you're no longer working in the business at all. And you're strictly working on the business, doing strategic stuff, doing the stuff you love the most, doing the stuff that's going to add the most value to your company, building those processes, you know, and hiring a great team that will help you execute and you know, elevate your company to, the next, to that next level. That's a really good recommendation. I, I really like the the way you described actually writing down that list. What are all the things you do? And I can remember doing that myself probably about 10 years ago where it was like, all right. I mean, we were, you know, a very small company at the time and and just writing all these things down and being like, all right, this this is the one that needs to go first. And then it's got, you know, it's got to be bookkeeping, right? Like I I I should not be keeping the books at my company as as the owner of the company. Like, let's throw that to our accountant. Like let's, you know, and then just sort of chipping away one at a time. But if you prioritize those things and say, where am I really most needed? Where am I creating the most value? And you keep those things for longer until eventually you can, 
you know, give up control of them. But I think it's a really good exercise for somebody to go through. Yeah. And one of the main premises of that book that really, I think, just gelled for me in a visual way is the idea is that you are designing your company as if it were a prototype of a franchise business, right? So you only have one factory, one shop, one whatever it is that you are. But imagine that you decided to open a second location, you know, 100 miles away or 1,000 miles away, right? If you aren't there on a daily basis to actually do all the work, how would someone even know what to do to replicate and provide the same service that you do in your facility to, you know, to someone from somewhere else? So if you think about it like a franchise, like a McDonald's, right? Whenever you go to any McDonald's, the experience you're going to have more or less is going to be the same, same burgers, same fries, same processes. And, you know, that, that repeatable, consistent product and or service that you're delivering to your customer is a result of business processes without having those clearly defined for the people you're hiring to replace you in those roles. You're not going to have that consistency. So that was part of the book. I, I you know, I, I would definitely recommend anyone that has not read the e-myth to go out and buy it. It's an easy read, but yeah, just the concept of a franchise prototype of a business, even if you only have one location, that, that makes a ton of sense to me. And then the other thing that's been on my mind recently is that there's a whole lot of shop owners that are in the baby boomer generation that are getting pretty close or even past sort of typical retirement age. And a lot of them are going to be faced with the, the, the idea of, well, what, what am I going to do with my business next, right? Am I going to sell it to my kids? If I don't have any kids that are interested in it, maybe to key employees or maybe to, you know, some third party, you know, altogether. And I think there's a, unfortunately, there's a lot of shops out there that are going to be in for kind of a rude surprise about how little their companies are actually worth because the whole company is still wrapped up around them and what they are doing and without the scalable processes, right? That let's say talking about a third party buyer, you know, a strategic buyer, another shop or, or an equity firm or something even like that. If you can demonstrate that you have these good repeatable processes and the business is not just, you know, reliant on you exclusively to get everything done. And every, every time a question comes up, someone comes to you and says, what should I do here? All right. If they know that, that's more valuable. And when, you know, for a lot of shops out there that have been through or companies that have been through things like, like an ISO audit, ISO 9000 or AS9100 audit, when you go through the due diligence of selling a company, it's like an audit times 10. It's like on steroids. They are going to dig through every single thing in your company to make sure they're paying the right price. And they will, if they discover that you just are a mess of, you know, running around and scraps of paper and spreadsheets and this and that, and without really good solid processes that other people are running, that business just doesn't have a lot of value besides the actual assets. Yeah. You hit on a lot of really good stuff there. You know, the other thing I think happens when you become really good at documenting the way you do things or having very clear, well laid out processes is the satisfaction inside of your company among employees and your teammates starts to rise too. Because I've seen this in my company over the years. I don't think it matters what kind of business you run. When people don't understand who's responsible for what, who reports to who, you know, when something, when a certain thing happens, like, you know, whose job is it to deal with this or how do one person executes this process this way and this way, 
it creates a lot of, I mean, just confusion, which leads to people who just aren't content in their roles. Yeah. And then that trickles down to retention issues and just morale issues in, in the company. So there's just, it, there are so many side effects of, of having, you know, being able to remove yourself from the business and, and being able to you know, lay those processes out. It just touches so many parts of, of your organization. Yeah, absolutely. And when we were growing and, and bumping up across these pain points ourselves, we actually, I mean, we were fortunate enough that we had hired a software developer to build some, you know, some software for us. And we were like, you know what, this is like, you know, probably having some things fall through the cracks. So I thought you were supposed to do that. No, I thought you were supposed to do that. And so we just like, we started building, we're like, let's build a job, sort of a job description, job position module, and let's build an org chart and let's build modules for all of our daily tasks and our business processes. And ultimately those fed really well into are like ISO and AS9100 because those are requirements to have that kind of stuff in there. But the way that we did it was just, it, it really helped us grow. And, and we had very, very low turnover and our, you know, really high employee retention, high customer, high employee satisfaction. And I think you're right. And I hadn't really thought about it quite that way, but it was largely probably because everyone knew exactly what they're supposed to be doing. They knew what good performance looked like with all the metrics and the KPIs we set out. And ultimately, employees want to come to work, work with people that are well aligned with them culturally, do good work, you know, feel proud of what they do, and know they're making an impact. And if you can lay out your business process and structure that way, people are going to love it. Absolutely. Well, Paul, let's talk ERP a little bit. You, you run a great ERP software platform specifically for manufacturing shops because there, there was a need for that that didn't seem to exist, and which is why you, why you wound up where you are now. So I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about like, where does ERP fit into this whole you know, process of streamlining or this topic of streamlining business processes and scalability? Sure. Yeah. I just had a conversation yesterday with a gentleman. He owns a machine shop in Wisconsin, pre-COVID, about 75 people, down a little bit now. But he said he uses 13 different software products to run the company, you know, from things with, you know, estimating and sales and, and order entry and cutting tool management and preventative maintenance and like just all the different things, you know, and I'm sure some of those are just spreadsheet systems they built or little mini databases or whatever. But when an ERP system, right, ERP, of course, is enterprise resource planning. It's designed to help run a company. But what we found when we did our research for our shop is that the software products out there, and it's a crowded space, you don't get me wrong, it's not like we were reinventing a new category, but the software products that we found that were designed for job shops and manufacturing shops like us, they did some things perfectly well, right? Estimating maybe and quoting order entry, creating invoices, purchasing, but they left this huge middle section of where you're kind of done with the sort of office side of things and you print off a paper job traveler and it goes out into the factory and then it's kind of a kind of a black hole right now some have data collection stations and you could log in and log out of the job and say how many parts you've made but there's a lot of there's a lot more nuance and detail that happens in a shop out there and of course in a manufacturing company the value is generated on the shop floor that's where you're taking raw materials 
doing value-added processes and making finished goods. And so that's the really the meat and potatoes of, of a company. And you really need to have good business processes, I think, tied into software that make it really easy and transparent and reduce you know, overhead costs and let people just work on the, the actual value-added part of, of making chips and making parts and doing things quickly. And the softwares that we looked at just didn't have those things. So we decided, again, to build our own. And we focused really heavily on that sort of manufacturing execution sort of side of, side of things, as well as quality management. So we built a complete QMS system into ProShop as well. So sometimes we actually see, and sometimes you'll see it on our website, that ProShop is ERP, MES, and QMS. And it's actually a bunch of other acronyms too you know, CMMS and LMS and all sorts of these silly acronyms, but basically, you know, trying to solve like what that guy in Wisconsin was dealing with, with 13 different software products and trying to pare it down to, you know, ideally one or two, right? And so I think the right ERP in a company can dramatically help improve efficiencies, throughput, improve quality, all tied around business processes. Because ultimately, you know, we think of ProShop is really it's like an operating system for a shop. You know, it is, you sort of plug things in on the front end, follow the process all the way along, and you're going to get good profitable parts out at the end. So that's how a little bit I think about ERP as it relates to manufacturing. Yeah, no, that's great. And, you know, it's, you kind of can see it at both extremes sometimes where, you know, I see this in the world of marketing where there's a million pieces of software that do a million different things. And, you know, finding one tool that does ab- absolutely everything the way it needs to be done is is tough but you can there are tools out there like you know HubSpot for example where like a lot of this a lot of it is handled on what under one one umbrella and done really well we'll still pair it with other things here and there when it you know when you, you need other tools for, for various things but I'm thinking of all the stuff we do inside of that piece of software and if we had if we were running 13 different pieces of software like you know your manufacturing example yeah it would it would just be a mess it becomes chaos it's too hard to manage you people don't know what tool to use for what so yeah the idea behind what what you guys have done is seems pretty great well again we just because we had no manufacturing or erp experience before we started our company really we didn't have preconceived notions about what ERP software should look like and be included, you know, what kind of features. So we just went sort of logically through everything that we did. And we're like, okay, we need a page for this, a feature for that, a module for that, right? And it included, you know, for a machine shop. And we've, we've diversified a little bit further out. You know, we have fab and weld shops and other companies and even some OEMs that use ProShop. But the core fundamental principle is that they're taking... They're manufacturing typically, you know, high complexity, really value-added products going through complex processes and, and even more sweet spot in a regulated industry like aerospace, defense, medical, because as, you know, as our shop was getting more sophisticated and getting into these, these markets and, and had more discerning clients with more flowdowns and needs, and we need to manage quality and our setups and our tools and make sure we always had everything at the right time, nothing was missing. You know, we just said, all right, what, what, let's build a feature for this. We, we just realized that we set, we went to set up a job and we didn't have all the tools. All right, well, let's make a module for tools and making sure that feeds into purchasing. So you make sure you have them in advance before you go to do your job. And we just, because it was so organically built by people that were 
didn't have a preconceived notion, but had a, a daily need, you know, to, to get these problems solved, it just turned into a really interesting organic product that was just different than anything else out there. Yeah, no, that's great. Do you, are there any examples, Paul? Like I noticed you've got some some videos, like testimonial or case study success story type of videos on the ProShop website. Any example you could give that would sort of put into context for listeners the transformation that a company was able to go through like pre and post implementation? Yeah. I mean, we have, ton- I think we're approaching 20 customer testimonial videos out there. So there's a lot of them, but one that I'm particularly just fills my heart with joy, you know, to hear and talk to these clients, talk about it. Small father and son kind of run shop. Father started it in his, in his basement. Son joined right out of college, you know, small machine shop, about 15, 20 people in Connecticut. They were using, actually, they used two of our competitor products in the past. They used one for a couple of years, then they realized that wasn't going to work. So they switched to another one, used that one for several years, but they were really sort of hitting their heads up against the, the ceiling on its capability and realized that they were spending far more time making workarounds and spreadsheets to help, you know, filling gaps they didn't have. So when they put ProShop in within just a few months time, and really for the call it sort of for the whole year after putting ProShop in, they increased their revenue about 20% without any additional equipment. And even one last person in the overhead department, they got rid of a purchasing person they didn't need anymore. But the reason they improved that so much is because they got about 20% more throughput on their factory floor, right? There were setups were going smoother. Things were just flowing more quickly through the factory. They didn't have machines sitting and waiting idle, waiting for tools or equipment or taps or gauges to show up that they realized they didn't need or they didn't have. And so, you know, they increased their throughput by 20%. Their profitability went up considerably. Uh, their on-time delivery performance went up by many, many points. You know, they said for their main production business, they they were basically hitting 100% on time, right? And before that, it was just constant firefighting, struggling to hit dates, constantly paying expediting fees to catch up on jobs that were late. In fact, that was a note. It wasn't even a, a thing that I had even ever thought about as like a return on investment. But they, so they were the first ones that kind of clued me into this. They used to spend about $30,000 a year on expediting fees for like plating processes or outside processes or expediting material, or just paying like overnight shipping charges to bring in, you know, something that they realized at the very last minute that they didn't have. So they were spending about 30 grand a year and they almost entirely cut that to zero, right? So that just that cost alone was more than ProShop cost them let alone, you know, a 20% increase in, in, in revenue and throughput and profitability and just how much less friction they had, how much more they enjoyed their jobs and, you know, company morale went up, just all these incredibly positive things, you know, coming out of using a system that was better designed for their business than what they were using before. Well, congrats. It sounds like one of, of many success stories you've got, but it's got, I mean, that's just got to be the best feeling as a, as, as a business owner to hear that, you know, to get validation, right? Like, like you, you can when you see people's businesses literally changing, and which affects their lives and you know their, their own livelihood. That's that's just the best feeling. So that's pretty cool. It is, and particularly with machine shops and job shops like that that are you know making things from raw meta- raw metals and materials, turning them into finished goods. They are literally at sort of the ground floor foundation of the entire economy, right? Everything 
and I use this example all the time, right? You look around your space, everything that you can see was originally starting, started with machining in some way or form, right? Whether it's that microphone or the shirt, the sweatshirt you're wearing, that was made on a machine that's made up of lots of machined parts that were made by machine shops. And so not only can we improve the individual businesses and their local economies, you know, growing more to hire more, more people, more machinists, but that's, you know, if you do that enough times over thousands of thousands of shops, that's going to lift up the economy. You know, that's, and, and manufacturing jobs have the highest multiplicative effect of any other types of job where, you know, one manufacturing job creates like three or four other jobs to support them you know, in service businesses. And so, yeah, I just, we, we believe it's incredibly important. It's an honor to work with our clients. You know, I always used to love making really beautiful machined parts and I got a lot of satisfaction out of that, but I get way more satisfaction out of making meaningful impacts to people's businesses. That's really cool. It's fun. I can't imagine doing something more fun than this. Well, Paul, is there anything that I did not ask you today that you'd like to touch on? Which is actually one last, maybe one little point. As most machine shops or companies that work in high-tech manufacturing know, it's incredibly hard to find people, right, that have the technical skills and the ability to, to do what you want to do. And you alluded to this earlier about, you know, having a good culture and good business process so people don't have that friction at work. I see a lot of shops right now putting out job ads that say, you know, we have an opening for a machinist, come apply. And I can tell you that that's just not a winning formula, right? There's, <laughs> there are so many openings for so few people that you really got to up your game on recruiting and making your company just an incredible place to work and, and like, a, like a bright light in the night, you know, with, with attracting people to you that want to just congregate and be part of your world. So think about if you are in the position where you're needing people, actually, I think I even wrote a blog post around this recently. There's a lot you can do to kind of make sure that people are applying for your jobs rather than the jobs down the street. So think about what, from an outside perspective, what would draw someone to your company and make it look like a really incredible place to work? No, that's great. I, it's, you know, it's funny. I, I can't seem to escape any of these podcast conversations without the manufacturing labor shortage coming up. It's just, it's, everybody's talking about it. It's a very real real thing. And I totally agree with you because we we talk about this at Gorilla being a company that does you know, marketing for manufacturing companies. Like It's a very similar thing with recruiting talent. Like You're trying to get discovered. You're trying to earn trust and, and the attention of people that would be good employees of, of your company. And yet a majority, you go to a majority of the careers pages on manufacturing organizations' websites, and it's like a few paragraphs of text and like a link to an external job board. It's like, that's how you're going to recruit people. Like that's how you, that, that is the impression you want people to have of this being a good place to work. So I totally agree. You should be selling your business to employees just as much as you're selling them to customers. Absolutely. If not more so. <laughs> Absolutely agree. Especially in a time like this. So, well, good. I'm glad you threw that little nugget in there. So, well, Paul, tell our audience how they can get in touch with you and how they can learn more about ProShop. Sure. Well, our website is proshoperp.com. We also have a, a new website. I don't know if you've seen it personally, as far as branding and marketing goes, it's called loveyourerp.com. Kind of fun. It's all hot pink and beautiful, lots of hearts and cheesy stuff all over it, but that's fun to check out. And then I'm of course, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn, just Paul Van Meter, V-A-N-M-E-T-R-E. I'm sure you'll include it in the show notes and whatnot, but yeah, I hang out on LinkedIn a lot, as you, as you said. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm pulling up loveyourerp.com as you speak right now. I'm going to have to take a look at that. 
Looks looks like a yeah. Someone told me recently that he said that marketing to machine shop owners using hot pink is a boss move, and I thought that was just a hilarious statement to make. Hey, you're going to stand out. I'll tell you that much. So yes, yeah, it was fun to put together. Well, Paul, this was really great. Really appreciate you doing this once again. So I guess we'll we'll put a bow on it there. So my pleasure, Joe. Thanks for the time. I appreciate it. Take care. Have a good day. Absolutely. And as for the rest of you, I hope to catch you on the next episode of The Manufacturing Executive. You've been listening to The Manufacturing Executive Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about industrial marketing and sales strategy, you'll find an ever-expanding collection of articles, videos, guides, and tools specifically for B2B manufacturers at gorilla76.com slash learn. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.